If you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 17. And if you have the church app, you can just open that and press the uh, blue scripture there and it'll open up for you. Exodus chapter 17. Been looking forward uh, today. As I mentioned a while ago, uh, Josh uh, shared with our men's ministry uh, a word a few months ago and the men were so inspired by it that they came to me and said, could Josh share that with the church? And so he's going to do that this morning. And I want to share a little bit before Josh uh, comes uh, from Exodus chapter 3. You can uh, flip there if you want or you can just listen. But uh, this is kind of a reflection, I think, of what uh, God has uh, done in Josh's life. Josh uh, was sharing with me a while ago, and we're thankful for Josh and uh, how the Lord has been working in his life, leading him, and he's now leading our college and career ministry. And uh, he shared with me a while ago, he said, uh, it's just one day off from a year ago that I shared my testimony to the church. And uh, today he's coming and sharing something a little bit deeper, and uh, I believe it's going to be an inspiration to you as well. But Josh and his testimony shared about how that uh, God used uh, kind of a unique way to draw him back to uh, God. And I want you to listen to this in Exodus chapter 3. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. The, uh, when Josh shared his testimony, he shared about how that uh, as he had grown up and had been in church and experienced different things, but when he got out of school and then in the military, how he uh, drifted away from God and uh, got on a totally different path. But uh, as he got out of the military and back into family life, and then over a period of time, uh, God was continuing to work in Josh's life. And uh, God uh, used a little feller named Colt Davis to uh, begin to be a testimony and a conviction to uh, Josh. And if you don't know who Colt Davis is, that's Josh's little boy. And uh, Colt was kind of like this burning bush. Colt uh, was burning for the Lord, uh, excited about things that he was learning at church and uh, didn't want to miss anything at church. And so that burning within his son began to be a witness to Josh and began to be a conviction to him. And then Josh began to come to church and then God just continued to work deeper and deeper in Josh's life to where uh, he now has uh, stepped up leading the college and career ministry and uh, now this morning sharing a word that God has given him about physical obedience brings spiritual release. So would you give uh, Josh a big hand this morning as he comes to share with us this morning. I've been asked uh, a couple times this morning if I'm nervous. And uh, I wasn't until just a minute ago. And, and I, I believe that I can honestly say that I wasn't nervous because I'm just standing up here as Josh, running my mouth about God. I didn't make this stuff up. This is my passion is to, to talk about the Word of God and spread the Word of God. So I can't be nervous about something that I'm this passionate about. I will go ahead and get out of the way, though. Any of y'all that know me and have heard me speak before, it'll be an emotional roller coaster this morning because I don't know any other way to do it. I'm so passionate about the word of God and what God's done in my life and what he can do in everybody else's life that, that it touches me in a way that really brings me in a, in a range of emotions. Every time I pray, every time I hear a song, every time I read scripture, I don't do it and just feel dull about it. When I do it, I do it and I feel 
the presence of the Holy Spirit and I feel what it's intended for me to feel. Now, I don't know everything about the Bible. I, I don't, there's some stuff that I, I can't answer within the Bible, but I do know that the Bible's true and I know it's true through faith. And my faith in, in God lets me know that everything in this book from cover to cover is true. So when I speak about the word of God and I give illustrations and I give stories as, as I go through this morning, I'm gonna get emotional about it and it's gonna slow me down a little bit and I'm gonna get choked up, but I don't, it doesn't bother me to do that because I'm this passionate about the word of God. I'm this passionate about spreading the word of God and I feel like that everybody in here needs to feel that same passion because you can read the Bible from cover to cover and take nothing away from it. But if you read the Bible and you pour your heart into it and you allow yourself to see what the Bible's telling you, then it changes everything for you. It's a pleasure to be able to read the Bible. As Brett said, about a year ago, short one day, I stood up here and gave a testimony about just how terrible of a life that I've been living for about 15 years. And I stood up here and I told you that because of my life away from God, there were so many people that I had the opportunity to come in contact with and I, I wasted that opportunity. And I named off some people in some situations during that testimony and I told you, you know, they were in my lives for a reason and I passed up the opportunity. They're no longer with us and I have to live with the understanding and the consequences knowing that their souls are not in heaven. I will never see them again someday when I get to my home because I didn't do what I was supposed to do for so long. I wasn't allowed to impact people's lives. Those people have since passed away. Now I'm not the sole person responsible for reaching everybody. It's not me. But the, the names that I called off during my testimony, I had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and I let it slip by. As a teenager, it wasn't a cool thing to do. You didn't want to walk around with a Bible. You didn't, have, you didn't want to have the Bible app open on your phone. It, just, it, wasn't, it wasn't cool, and I didn't think it was important at the time. You know, I told you I lived pretty much double, a double life. I was a Christian on Wednesdays and Sundays, and the other five days a week, I kind of did what Josh wanted to do. And it, it took a long time. It took over 15 years for me to realize just how how wrong my life was, how misguided my life was, and how empty my life was. But fast forward a year to today, I, you know, I, I can't stand up. I have to think, and I'm not going to do it individually, but there's so many people in this church that, uh, that have touched me and impacted my life over the last year without you even knowing it. I've, anytime you have a conversation with me, anytime we talk about something, discuss something, whether it's straight out of the Bible or not, your, your reaction, your thoughts on it, the way you handle situations, it impacts my life and it touches me and it guides me. I'm 37 years old, but I'm a very young Christian when it comes to the word of God. So I lean on a lot of people and there's a lot of great people in this church that I owe a lot of gratitude to for allowing me to grow and mature and being there for me. If you would, if you, um, turn your Bibles to Exodus 17, verses 8 through 13. And to kind of give you a little bit of backstory before I get started, at this point in time, the Israelites have already, they've been frustrated. They've been wondering for a very long time. They're, they're to the point where they're questioning everything God has done for them and God's going to do for them. Prior to this set of verses, they had just sit here and, and witness God 
allow water to pour from a rock. He provided food from the skies, but yet that still wasn't enough. They still questioned, questioned God and they still questioned Moses and they still wasn't fully bought in to what God was wanting them to do. As they were going along their journey, the Amalekites was a uh, much superior uh, nation, group of people, tribe. Their, their military was much stronger than the Israelites at that time. And they were pretty much attacking the Israelites along the way from behind, just picking off the weak stragglers one by one. And it's important, you've you got to understand the, the reason for this scripture is it's the Old Testament. Yeah, I get that. And it's, you know, it, you have a hard time applying it to your lives currently. But Satan knew, the devil knew from the very beginning that in order to continue to be able to, to wreak havoc and to be the devil that he wanted to be and to, and to be and to spread the sinful nature, he knew he could not allow the Israelites in that group to move forward and progress. So he used different nations and different armies to continuously attack and attack and attack because he knew that if he wiped out the Israelites altogether, he had wiped out the bloodline of our Messiah that would, you know, would be revealed to us later on in the New Testament as well. So back to, back to Exodus in chapter 17, verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of this hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, he took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with a sword. I, I explained this the best way I know how and I, and I did this Wednesday night uh, in college and career. When you, when you read the Old Testament, it's difficult. It's hard to understand. It, it, you, you have a hard time relating it and how it could relate to your life now. But see, God, in this, in this story, God's pointing out to even us today that just as the Israelites, we've seen his blessings, we've seen what God can do in our lives and what God can do in other lives, but in our next breath, we suddenly forget just how powerful God is. We're, we're continuing to question we continue as we go through our daily lives and, and our lives in general to, to question what God does and how God's going to do it and when God's going to do it. But in this set of scripture, God wanted to make sure that the Israelites knew just how powerful he was. And the only thing that he asked Moses to do was to simply climb to a hillside and hold his hands up high with the staff of God. That's all he wanted to do. As long as Moses was faithful in doing that, God guaranteed Moses and Joshua victory in the battle. So remember that battle, the Israelites shouldn't have won. On their own, they couldn't have done it. They were, they were outnumbered, out strategy. I mean, it was, there's no way the Israelites should have won that current battle. But God said, and he told Moses, if you'll simply just do this for me to show them, I've got this and you're going to be okay. So Joshua took his men, they fought the, fought the army. Moses went to the hillside and he's, he's holding his hands up 
And Aaron and her went with him. And just that simple act of physical obedience allowed Joshua to do what he needed to do to be victorious in the battle. You see, when, when God done that, he wanted to make sure that everybody that questioned him could see that power that he had. God put his angels with Joshua, and as long as Moses was being physically obedient to, to the God, they had no problems. They were taking care of business. But as soon as his hands started to drop and his arms started to drop, God pulled his angels back a little bit and the Amalekites started getting the upper hand. And Aaron and her, who are kind of behind the scenes in this story, they don't get a lot of recognition through the Bible and it's, it's names that you don't hear often, but they were just important to this story because of their faith in God. They trusted God 100% or they wouldn't have went up there and wasted their time with Moses. But they stood on one side and one on the other and they helped hold Moses' hands up because they knew that is what God had wanted them to do. You see, there's a lot of times that, you know, God just wants us to do something physical. We can't get so so set and so complacent and just sitting and and listening. It's more than that. It's so much more than that. There's a time to sit and listen, but there's so much more than sitting. You know, sometimes God wants you to physically do something to be able to, to release what he has in store. If you ignore that and you don't do that physical act, I'm not saying that, you know, standing with your arms raised up will win you, you know, the next war that we may be in. But however, God speaks to each one of us very different. He speaks to each one of us to, to the extent that we're the only ones that know it. But God's wanting you to do something and telling you to do something for, for a reason, and it's for a purpose. And, there, and there's one thing that I would like to point out about this scripture before I move on. Aaron and her, they, you, you don't hear a lot about them in the Bible. You know, when, when you're growing up in, in Sunday school, Discover Church, and you, you listen to sermons, there's not a lot about Aaron and her that, that you hear about. But it didn't matter to them. And, I, and I, that relates a lot to this church to me. Because God has called this church for a purpose. And God has called each, of us, each one of us here for a reason and that purpose. But you also know if you're a member at Temple Baptist Church, that Aaron and her is all around you. And it's all around you because if you just look around in the pews that you have right now. There's so many people here that have such a passion and share the same passion that I have, that it doesn't matter what you're going through or what you're dealing with, they'll be there to help hold you up. And the great thing about this church that I love is it don't matter what it is. Number one, you won't be judged. Nobody here is going to judge you. And they will unconditionally, without question, be there for you as long as it takes, whether you need five minutes or 15 years. They'll be there for you. To kind of transition a little bit out of the Old Testament, because I feel like it's important that to understand that, you know, especially for me as a new Christian, it's hard to relate the Old Testament a lot of times. And it's hard for me to sometimes trans, transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But when it comes to, to God and Him just simply wanting you to, to worship Him, the transition is not all that hard. All it requires is devotion, dedication, and love. That's all he wants out of you. 
You know, I heard Danny tell a story and it, it caught my attention. And I think I've heard it before. And I did a little bit of research and back history on it just to make sure before I shared it today that it was something that was true and legit. And, and I want you to keep in mind how important physical obedience is in modern times. It's not just physical obedience in, in what Moses did, but this is physical obedience in, in the way we live our lives now. There was a wife, and this is out towards Texas, there was a wife that had been begging her husband for, for years and years and years, please come to church, please go to church, please come to church, please join me at church. And she stayed at it for forever. And it was, it was well in excess of 10 years she stayed on her husband's case about coming to church. And he never did, he never would go. And, and finally he grew frustrated with just the continuing pressure and the question that she kept putting on him. And he finally told his wife, he said, look, I'll go this one time. But after I go this one time, you're not gonna ask me to go again. This is it. I'm gonna go and I need you to be quiet about it after that. And so the, his wife agreed and she immediately got on her phone and she started calling all of her friends at church and all of her um, prayer partners at church and her small group. And she was really excited because her husband was coming to church and she wanted each and every one of them to pray for him. He's gonna be there. I need y'all to pray for him. Let God work. As the, the service come around, he, he, he stood by his word and he went with his wife to church. And uh, as the, the service was going, he started to, to feel a little bit of that Holy Spirit in him. But yet he still wasn't convinced that, you know, that's what he wanted to do with his life. The Holy Spirit and God was telling him what he needed to do. And they was putting him in the right place at the right time to be there. But he was wanting to argue with him. Cross on the other side of the church, young man sitting with his wife. He'd been faithful to God. He'd, been, he'd grown up in church. He was involved in church. And he had, you know, been very faithful to the Lord. As they was going through a worship song, he felt the Holy Spirit tell him to get an eye on do push-ups. When he first felt that, he ignored it and kind of played it off. There's no way that can be what the Lord wants me to do in his house. I don't, there's no way the Lord wants me to do push-ups. He couldn't shake that feeling. He couldn't shake that thought. So he got out in the aisle and he'd done the push-ups. He did about 10 to 15. And as he was doing the push-ups, his faith started to slip a little bit. He started to be concerned with who was looking at him and who was staring at him. Who was kind of cutting their eyes at him, wanting to know, why in the world is this guy doing push-ups in the middle of church? So once he got up, his excitement, his joy, his, his, his worshiping was all changed from that point. He became angry, he became frustrated, and he was embarrassed. So all that joy he felt prior to those push-ups, he had recently had just had that taken away from him. He no longer had any happiness at all. He was full of bitterness, anger, embarrassment, all in a span of less than a minute. But what he didn't know is that promise that that husband had made to his wife. The husband had told his wife once he started feeling a little bit of the Holy Spirit that if I see somebody do push-ups in this church, I'll go get my salvation. I'll go to that altar. And that's exactly what happened. You know, the gentleman doing the push-ups was very faithful. He did something very out of the ordinary and out of the norm, but he had enough faith to take that step. By taking that step, 
somebody on the other side of the building had requested that step. And that man held to his word. He went to the altar that day and he received salvation. Neither one of these two gentlemen knew each other. The wives didn't know each other. And they certainly didn't know the conversation about the push-ups. But however, his faithfulness and his willing to be physically obedient to what God was telling him to do led to this gentleman over here coming down and receiving salvation. I can't imagine how difficult it would have been to step out of my aisle, to step out of the pew into the aisle and to start doing push-ups when Brett would have been preaching. But I do know from experience how difficult it is not to listen to what God's telling you to do physically. For years and years and years, I've, I've, I've passed by the opportunities to touch lives and change lives because I could not be physically obedient. I couldn't be spiritually obedient. I couldn't be obe- obedient to God in any sense. But I told y'all a year ago when I stood up here that that opportunity wouldn't pass me by again. Now, has the last 364 days been absolutely perfect and sin-free? Absolutely not. Not even close. I fall short every day. But there's a God that allows me to fall short every day and picks me up at the end of every day and allows me to get a fresh start on things. In second, in First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, and you don't have to flip, it's, just, it's real quick. It says, Therefore... I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and disputing. And this is from the NIV. Take the word, I want every man. Therefore, I want everyone, everywhere to pray, lifting up hands without anger or disputing. You see, Paul's writing letters to Timothy and to the churches to continue to pass the word of God after Jesus had already hung on the cross. And Paul was so passionate about it that the majority of these letters were written when he was in prison. And he, but he didn't allow that to stop him. So when, when Paul, as passionate as he was in prison writing these letters, when Paul writes that you know, he wants everyone to lift up their holy hands without anger or disputing, most of us don't come to church angry. But there is something that stops us from following through with lifting our hands up to the Lord. Pride, embarrassment, self-concern. See, we allow a lot of things that God wants us to do to be stopped and to be blocked because we're too worried about what somebody sitting behind us or beside us is going to think. You know, I've actually, and it, and it, was, it was brought to my attention twice, and both times it was joking, but it did kind of ring a bell to me since uh over the last year, I've been asked, and like I said, this was in a joking manner, but it, it, it got people's attention, so I'll take it. I've been asked, how many times to the trip is it going to take Josh? How many trips to the altar is it going to take Josh to receive salvation? I've already received my salvation. That's locked down. I don't go to the altar just for salvation. And I've been also heard that, man, Josh's life must really, really be messed up. Because almost every Sunday, he's down there on bending knee, crying his eyes out. No, it's not messed up. I'm not there for me. I'm there for you. I'm there for everybody that's not here today. I'm there for everybody and anybody but me. It's not about me. If I go to the altar, it's not about me. It's about God and what God is calling me down there to do. 
we get stuck a lot of times in, in a mentality that I know God loves me and God knows I love him. However, do you really know, does God really know how much you love him? You can sit here all day long and, and tell somebody you love them, you care about them, you're passionate and caring and you be there for them. But if all you do is say it and you never do anything, and I've been reminded this a lot by, by Amber, if, if you just say it and you don't do anything to show it, it's just words. It don't mean anything. It's just words. Sometimes you got to have that physical interaction, that physical act. A lot of times we feel, you know, we, have, we get stuck in the mentality is, I know God loves me, and God knows I love him, and that's all I need. That's enough. That's simply not enough. I feel like I'm humble. I feel like I'm faithful. I feel like I have the joy and the passion. I feel like I have all that in my heart. God knows my heart, so I'm good. I don't have to do anything else because I know that God knows how I feel and where I'm at. Yeah, you're absolutely right. God loves you. He knows you inside and out. He knows you better than you know you. But however, if you don't do anything to show your love and to show your faithfulness and and to show just how passionate you are about God, you have to ask yourself, are you truly humble? Are you truly passionate? Do you truly have that love? Do you truly have more than just a mindset? Do you have what it takes to physically do something to show that you have the love for the Lord? There's been a lot of, a lot of Sundays in this church, Wednesdays, that I've, I've left here frustrated and disappointed at myself because I've, I've sit back there in a pew and I've felt the Holy Spirit I feel it, I'm excited, I'm passionate. But then my stomach starts to grow a little bit and I start thinking about lunch. And then my son starts kind of poking at me and he's paying attention to the time and he's got somewhere he's got to be and I get distracted. And then I look at the altar and nobody's moved and nobody's came yet, so I didn't come. I allowed the devil to whisper into my ear everything that was more important at that moment than what God was wanting me to do at that moment. And when you go home, knowing that you let God down on a Sunday, it makes for a very, very long time before you get to come back and kind of get that straight with God. Because you can pray at home. And you can do a lot of things at home to connect with God, but there's something a little bit different about doing it right down here. I know there is for me. So I ask you, how many times have you stood here towards the end of a service and actually thought, and this is Christians and non-Christians alike, and I hope nobody moves. I hope nobody goes today. I don't have time. I don't have time for it. I've got to get out of here. I, got to, I don't want to wait in line at Cracker Barrel. I'm hungry. My kids got these things to do, and I just, I just want to get it there and get it over with. My recliner's calling my name. I want to take a nap. Whatever it may be, something has distracted you from what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do inside God's house. And when it comes to God's house, I can't stress the importance enough 
<clears throat> everything's just a little bit more enhanced when you're here. The passion's a little bit greater. The love's a little bit greater. You feel a different feeling when you're here in the Lord's house than you do when you're at home or at work or wherever you may be. But see, God's house is so much more than somewhat of a comfortable place to come sit on Sunday and listen to Michael sing and Brett talk. See, God's house is God's house. This is the Lord's house. And if you can't clear your mind enough to be in the Lord's house and completely worship him and turn everything over to him, then then you got a few more problems than what you thought from the beginning. Because if you can't come through those doors excited and happy and passionate and fired up, you might want to drop back and punt a little bit and check your salvation some. Check where your heart is. Check where your passion is. It's easy to do it when you come through those doors. Where it should be difficult for us is outside the doors of this church. And it is. Society makes it terrible. It's hard. But when you're inside the doors of this church, it shouldn't be hard to physically obey the to obey God he's going to speak to you I mean he's going to show you he's going to guide you and he's going to lead you and something that's you know it's it's difficult at times because and I'm going to chase a rabbit down a trail just a little bit so forgive me God's going to put you on a plan and a place in your life and he's going to send his angels out ahead of you and before you he's going to prepare that path for you and at the end of that path is the, the the place where every Christian wants to be and that's home with the Father. But how, no matter how, how God prepares that path for you, no matter what's along that path, God, number one and foremost, will be with you every single step of the way. But the challenging part is, is God's going to put you on this path. And God has this path for you. It's already set out. We don't know how it's going to go. We don't know the ending. We couldn't handle it if we did. We'd mess it up. But you're on this path. But the one thing that God can't do the one thing that God can't do is make you take that first step. Because without taking that first step, that path that God's put you on, it'll go unused. That road's going to remain dusty because you didn't take that step. And there's, there's times in your life that even if you're on that path, the devil's going to have a, a road that you can kind of take a, take a sidetrack to and it's going to have neon flashing lights and Man, it's going to look like it's a lot more easy. You know, it's flat, it's smooth. Signs are flashing. It's going to be a very appealing road for you to take. And you look at the, the path that God, God give you, and it's hilly. You know, there's ups and downs, and there's valleys. There's barriers, there's roadblocks, there's things in the way. And so we tend to just take that easier path, just because it seems a lot easier, instead of following what God wants you to do in the first place. See, God, God's road is not easy. It's not easy for anybody. I, I, can, I can attest to it and I can tell you, and there's so many others in here that can tell you God's road is not easy. It's not all sunshine and rainbows and all that good stuff. It's going to be difficult. But for every difficult situation, number one, you're not alone. And number two, when you get through that difficult situation, what's on the other side is a blessing like you've never received before. Every time you receive a blessing from God, they just keep getting better and better. Bigger the struggle, bigger the blessing. But God can't give you these big blessings if you never take that first step. You can't go through what you need to go through if you never take that first step. If you don't move forward 
and you don't physically do what God's asking you to do, if you don't mentally do it and spiritually do it, it doesn't matter how many times you come to this building and you sit down and you listen. If you simply come here, you sit down, you listen, you're the first set a few people out the doors and you're, you're out of the parking lot at 45 miles an hour and you're just rushing to a restaurant, you're not receiving that blessing that you need to receive. You see, when God calls you to move, God is calling you to move for a reason. God is calling you to step out for a reason. He wants you to do something for a reason. It's not a, it, we don't need to know that reason. If we knew the reason, half of us wouldn't do, wouldn't do it because we don't want to deal with, you know, with, with the, the thought of even knowing. We can't deal with knowing what the future holds. That's why God don't give it to us. God give us our, he gives us our, as Christians, you know, we, we know where we're going to end up. But all that in between, God's not going to give it to us because we couldn't handle it. We'd mess it up, mess it up in a heartbeat. So when God wants you to move and God calls you to move, especially inside church, he's calling you to move for a reason. And I'm not saying that God's going to have you do push-ups in the aisle, but sometimes God will simply just need you to come to the altar to get the attention of somebody else, to give somebody else that little bit of confidence to be able to step out and come forward. If you remember back before you were saved, before you received Christ, before you had locked down your salvation, a lot of you stood there in a pew and you didn't really know what to do and how to do it. And you definitely did not want to be the first one to step out and come forward. You was nervous, you was scared, you didn't want that attention on you. But as soon as you saw one or two come for something completely different, it allowed you to have the confidence to step out and make that step forward for yourself. I know, and I've told this story so many times that I don't want to have to face judgment with any more people on that list that I could have reached out to and I could have saved and I could have touched. And I didn't because I was too distracted with something that in all in all, it's stupid. There's so much distraction in our lives that it's just simply stupid. And, and everybody in here has got one of them right now on them, I guarantee you. I've got one. It's a phone. Technology. Why it's great, don't get me wrong. And if you've got a Bible pulled up on it right now or a Bible app, I'm all for it. But if you're playing a game, we'll I'll talk to you in a little bit. But, <clears throat> but we live our lives walking around like this and what's going on in here and while they're a great resource for, for a lot of things in our lives if you're looking down and you're doing this your whole life no matter what you're doing and where you're doing it at you're missing so much of what God gave you that's around you I'm not throwing off on a cell phone I'm not throwing off on tablets but we allow ourselves a lot of times to be dictated by what, is, what I call a stupid stuff in our life. And I don't know how else to put it other than just bluntly saying that we allow stupid stuff to take away from our walk with God. You know as a Christian what you're supposed to be doing and when you're supposed to be doing it. God will tell you. God will lead you. 
but you also know as a Christian when you're led to do it and you don't do it because a lot of times it seems a whole lot easier not to sacrifice your time, not to be committed, not to be devoted. And you almost tell yourself when you don't do it that it's okay because somebody else is going to pick up the slack. You're right, they will. But God called you for a reason. You've missed that reason and you've missed that blessing that you could receive. I'll close, I'll close with this because I, this is how important it is to me. And, I, and I, I mentioned it at the end of my testimony and it's the altar. The altar is a place that serves a lot of different purposes and a lot of different reasons. And if you don't, people get stuck in a mindset and it, it's, it, blows, it blows me away that they think that the only reason you should come down here is when you're getting saved. Yeah, that's, that is a reason, okay? That's, that's a perfectly great reason to come to these altars, and I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to do it today. If you have not received salvation, today is your day. I promise you, today is your day. Snatch it up and go. But it's, it's so much more than salvation. You know, the altars was designed in the Old Testament for sacrifice. And while nobody's going to bring a goat down the aisle and lay it up here and cut its throat, the sacrifice I'm talking about is sacrifice of, of yourself, of your time, what you're doing with your life, what you're devoted to, what you give your energy, what you give your strength to. The sacrifice that I'm talking about is what are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice that stupid stuff that you think is important in your life to get the closer walk with God? Are you willing to sacrifice your time, yourself, to do whatever it takes? I know for me, and I've had, I've had this thought several times, you know, if, if God called me to go out in the parking lot and just pick up trash Sunday morning before service, then God called me to pick up trash in the parking lot. I'll do it faithfully, be proud of it, sing while I'm doing it, take joy in that, because God called me to do something at his house. Not everybody's going to preach, not everybody's going to teach, but God's going to talk to you and God's going to tell you. God's got a job for each of us. He's got something designed and in place for each of us, but are you willing to sacrifice it? Another thing is cleansing. If you're in here and you haven't sinned in the last week, I would really like to talk to you after church and see if you can walk on water because it's pretty impressive. We're born into sin. It's natural. It's normal. It's it's just a part of our lives. We're born into sin. You're going to sin no matter what you do in your life. You're going to mess up and you're going to sin. It's just, it's just the way it is. But the altar's here to rewipe that slate clean. If you've got something on you that's bothering you, that's bugging you, hindering you, you need that chain broken, you need that situation eased up, you need something taken away, that's what that altar's here for. And the last thing is prayer. I wear that altar out with tears, not for myself. I'm in a place in my life to where I know God's going to take care of me. I have a prayer, I have a relationship through God, through prayer with God. But every time I come to the altar, I'm not Josh wants and Josh needs and Josh has got to have and God please Josh this and Josh that 
That's not why I'm here. Josh is good. I, I guarantee you Josh is good because Josh is walking down that path that the Lord's created for him. But I come down here and I pray for people that I know need a little bit of help, need a little bit of guidance, need a little bit of direction. Maybe they just needed somebody to step out of that pew and walk down so they can move. You get, you get called up in prayer and all you're praying about is Josh this and Josh that and Josh would like to have this and Josh could do this and Josh needs this and this is all about you and yourself. I guarantee you God will pass you by quick and move on to somebody else. If you're right in your salvation and in your, in your Christian life and your walk with God, it's not going to be easy. It's, you're always going to have stumbles and troubles. But coming to the altar to pray for somebody else and seeing that joy and that blessing and that humbleness being passed on to somebody else that needed it, it I can't describe that feeling. I can't tell you how joyful that feeling is. To, just to be able to, to pray for somebody else and know that that prayer was heard. There's nothing, nothing like it at all. Number one, it puts you on the same page as God. It kind of reconfirms with you that God was telling you to move. And you moved. And God showed you how great that move was. You don't have to go home and wonder what would have happened if you would have moved. God will show you through your move just how great it was. Your physical reaction to what God tells you to do is so much to so many people that you don't know it. That physical reaction will lead such a spiritual release in your life and everybody else's life as well. As Michael comes up and Brett comes up, I'm going to to ask, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and God, God put this message on me for a reason. He allowed people. He allowed people to hear this message for a reason. Whether it was one or it touched everybody. I was faithful to what God wanted me to do and what God wanted me to say. So for that, I'm blessed. If you're here today and you're looking for that feeling of great salvation, you want that salvation, you desire that feeling, please step forward this morning. The Holy Spirit will work through you this morning. You will not be alone. There are people that will join you. I beg you to come. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. If you're here this morning and you've been saved and your walks took you down a path that you've questioned, 
you've already received salvation, but sanctification is such a great feeling. Let God get you back on that path. Let God turn you back to the direction that he has planned for you. If you're here this morning, and you love the Lord, and you know the Lord loves you, but yet you don't always show it, fix it today. Allow God to work through you emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Don't pass up the opportunity to step out and step up and show God just how much you do love Him. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I am so grateful for the opportunity to be in your house today. I am so grateful to be able to stand here knowing everything I've been through and everything that I've done against you. It doesn't matter because of your love for me. Lord, if there's anybody in this church that needs to needs that feeling of salvation they need that in your life Lord I pray that today's the day that they come we're not guaranteed another minute we're not guaranteed tomorrow but today's the day that I pray that they come Lord if there's someone here that feels you talking to them to move them Lord show them the blessing show them how great it feels to follow that feeling they may not receive the word today They may not see the outcome of it today, but someday, someday soon, by that physical obedient act, they will see just how great you are and how great and how mighty your power is to change lives. Lord, I I love you and I thank you for everything that you've done for me and done in my life. Amen.